1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. via Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. It's been a while since I've done one of these um, weekly interview podcasts um, that you know wasn't the Colin Show with Josh Hart or the uh, uh, Raptors Reaction podcast, and so I had to get on uh, the podcast favorite, Alex Wong, to uh, discuss the suddenly resurgent Toronto Raptors. This is like probably going to be the happiest episode we record to date, at least in the season. Um, Alex, thanks for thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, anytime, man. Raptors, one game over five hundred. You know, it's time to put in a six-way parlay. Uh, they're on their way to the top of the Eastern Conference, and we don't have to talk about uh, Aaron Baines in the starting lineup, finally.
1: You know, I was thinking about this, by the way. Like, you might be – because people might not know this, but you called the NBA Finals in 2019 because you tweeted um, NBA Finals matchup and you had a picture of Steph Curry's Under Armors. And Kawhi Leonard's new balance. And you t- you tweeted this like w- super early in the season. And of course that came true. And then this year you tweeted about how Tampa Bay had all these champions. You know, um Tom Brady winning the, the Super Bowl. You know, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Uh The Rays went to these uh, the World Series. Um And yeah, I mean, at, at this rate, the Raptors might actually be going to the finals. So you might be... You might be proven uh, prophetic once again, man.
2: First of all, Raptors Warriors wasn't that crazy of a prediction that season. And also, you forgot the only prediction that I'm actually proud of and will claim, and that's the 15-game win streak. Oh, yeah,
1: that's right.
2: Remember I circled the that's schedule right. and said yeah, they were yeah. going to win their next 12 games? Yeah. No, that was crazy, man. No, when you when yeah. you do propaganda on a, on a daily basis... And I'm sure you can relate based on the country you're from. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to be right. <laughs> okay. And, you know, you just have to play the percentages. But, yeah, I don't think the Raptors are, are going to the finals. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to myself, even though that's all I do. But, mm. I mean, maybe they can make it to the Eastern Conference finals and get swept by the Brooklyn Nets. Because I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are losing one single game during the East playoffs. I don't know about that, but... Uh,
1: no, nah, Come on, I mean, man. You just off. gave me
2: props for predictions. You can't, You can't deny that one. This guy said, I, "I'm
1: my propaganda," but I, all all I heard before the podcast was Alex speaking in Cantonese to his mom's, which I don't understand Cantonese because I speak Mandarin. But uh, yo, everybody but all I heard once in a while was everybody. Bank of China, bro. <laughs> every every yo,
2: third word was Bank of China. <laughs> yo, listen, if you, if you're still a Hong Kong permanent citizen, download that Bank of China app. You know, just got my 10k uh, HK dollars. Uh, you know relief money you know spent three hours last night transferring it into my account oh my God. Um, you know S- stockx purchases are looking up <laughs> oh yo what's the hk dollar trans- conversion I, I don't even know man so it converts to around like sixteen hundred dollars Canadian. That's,
1: that's not bad that's not bad
2: that's that's a nominal amount wow. you know i'm gonna um, like i told you i'm gonna eat two two subs tonight without a coupon yeah, no No one wants to know how you live, Alex. <laughs> it's just, it's too sad, man, so. The perception I create is, is honestly wild. People think I've watched one movie, uh, which <laughs> is Uncut Gems. You're always offering me your Crave account. Meanwhile, I'm paying for Crave, Netflix, and Disney Plus like a loser. Bro, what are um, you doing,
1: man? That's too much, <laughs> Yo, I will seriously share my account with you, man.
2: <laughs> if this man has to go scam the motherland for, for COVID relief... <laughs> you can have my, I was have my not cray- scamming money. the motherland. I have my permanent ID card. <laughs> All right, We, we got to stop talking about this. Let's yes. let's give yeah, the right. people what they
1: want. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we're checking in with the 2021 Toronto Raptors. Uh, and I have written 12 questions down very quickly, actually, because I have to commend Alex. I messaged them at 1 p.m. saying, yo, can you pod? And he's like, yeah, who canceled? And of course, Big V canceled. He's coming on next week.
2: but you're the only free uh, radio
1: slash podcast that I do, man. No, this is true. And, um, and then, yeah, you were like, can we do it in 30 minutes? I was like, yeah, so this is what I have written down in 30 minutes, 12 questions, starting with this. Number one, the Raptors are 14 and seven since starting two and eight. They are currently
2: the fifth seed in the Eastern conference. Is this team legit? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think when you look at the 14 and seven, it's not like that. They've, suddenly got like a very easy portion of the schedule. They've picked up a lot of wins on the road. They had that four and two road trip where you could honestly chalk up the two losses to schedule losses, because if I have it right, both of them were on the third night, third game in four nights Mm -hmm. um, during the schedule. And, you know, I think you listed this out too, right? Like they've beaten every single team that are right now ahead of them in the East Uh, Milwaukee twice. They beat Philly, obviously last night. Uh, They beat Brooklyn um, in the KD game. The KD COVID game, uh, they yep. beat Indiana. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's not like they suddenly... And, and honestly, like, you know, they've lost their easy games, right? They've lost to Sacramento. They've lost to Minnesota because Emily <laughs> Arena is just cursed. And yep. so, yeah, you know, the Raptors have the weirdest schedule in the league, in my opinion, because they're not home. And I don't care that the, every arena has no fans right now. Like, it makes a huge difference, I think for them to have to relocate to Tampa uh, and deal with all of that and play in an arena that they're not familiar with. So, yeah, the 14-7, and I think, is legit. It's actually kind of
1: unbelievable when you look at their schedule as a whole. Like, the last time I felt like the Raptors just, like, straight-up lost a game fair and square that wasn't, like, circumstances, you know, back-to-backs, was, like, January 4th, the Raptors got smacked by the Celtics. That game, I was like, all right, they just lost, but... (laughs) The next game they lost, the Suns game. Raptors were playing amazing. The Suns shot the lights out. They hit like twenty something threes. Pascal was dominating. They just lost that game. They were right there at the fourth quarter. Then you have the two back to back one point losses to Golden State and to Portland on back to back nights. I mean, it's super unlucky that the Raptors lost both of those. They lost the second. They lost the first game to Miami, which honestly I felt like they played really good. I just I don't even remember why they lost that game. They lost the second game to Indiana, which. That was no Sabonis. They got cooked up by freaking TJ uh, TJ McConnell, a.k.a. Joe Wolf on in the flesh. Like it, It's it's disgusting that they lost that game. I still can't get over that one. Um, they lost to the Bucks. Okay, maybe that's another legitimate loss. I thought that one, you know, Raptors just didn't play great. Uh, they lost, But then the, the two-point loss to Sacramento, then you have, like, they lost to the Hawks, as you mentioned, third game in four nights, uh, back-to-back there, too. Uh, they lost to the Celtics back-to-back. They lost to the Timberwolves. That game was super random, like, that's it. Like they've had some really, really strange losses. Like it feels like their record should be even better than what it is. And I think it's just like, if you look at the the actual like gameplay itself, like the Raptors have been in pretty much every single game outside of those two games against the Celtics. So um, damn, they're looking good, which means I got to ask you the second question. So the Raptors have defeated all four teams ahead of them uh, in the East over the last month, um, Indiana, they beat, they beat the bucks twice. They beat Philly just last night. And they beat Brooklyn a few nights ago. Um, Are they really the scariest team in the East? I I saw some some article that said the Raptors are the scariest team in the East. I scoffed at it at the time, but
2: now, I, I don't know. Maybe they're a little scary. Wow, was it another ESPN Insider article that I can't access this season?
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm not paying for that. I, I don't care. You can have my crave, but I'm not, I'm not
2: getting the ESPN Plus. I don't care. I'm waiting for you, man. That's how I got on The Athletic. Great site. Yo, I, um, I mean, just,
1: just saying you can just hit .au uh, and uh, read Zach Lowe. It's pretty well, easy. Well, listen,
2: I think the Raptors have graduated from, like, you don't want to play this uh, seventh seed in the first round to, you know, if they can get into a top four position, like, you can certainly see this team winning around. And, you know, depending on matchups, uh, win two rounds. You know, I don't know if you agree with me. You know, I might, be, I might have been exaggerating a little saying that the Nets are just going to roll through the Eastern Conference. But I do think if they're healthy, that they are the clear number one team in the East. And to me, I'm happy to put Toronto uh, as 2A along with like any other team that you want to put in there. Philly, mm-hmm. Milwaukee. Something with Milwaukee too, man. Like I know it's They're not even super just, fraudulent, man. It's it's not even just their playoff failures. Like you know when like Cleveland just owned the Raptors. Of course you know, um, everyone knows. <laughs> Why but would like, you say this, bro? He well, just said it was gonna be a positive podcast. Why would you listen, bring that up? Listen, you know me. It gets dark, but mm. I feel like we have the same big brother mentality with Milwaukee. To be honest, That's true. that yep. there's just something like when Giannis goes against Toronto, when Chris Middleton goes against Toronto. And then when you look at the guys like Fred and Norm who have this established history against the Bucs. So all I'm saying, like a long-winded way of saying, like all of these teams, I'm happy to just group the Raptors in with all of them uh, with the Brooklyn Nets as a clear number one.
1: Yeah, um, and that's a good point because a lot of these teams in the East are at least a little bit fraudulent. Even the Nets are a little bit fraudulent. They just have too much talent that it doesn't matter. But if you look at their the records above uh, versus teams above 500, Sixers, they're six and eight above teams above five hundred, um, and I don't know if that includes the Raptors because uh, the Raptors only briefly moved over five hundred. But um, the Milwaukee Bucks five and eight above t- versus teams above five hundred. The Indiana Pacers five and eight above versus teams above five hundred. Raptors are six and nine. Celtics are eight and eight, um, and you know the rest of the conference is whatever. But like literally, the only team that really stands out here is Brooklyn at twelve and four. Um, they're actually eight and eight uh, against teams under five hundred, which is kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, they're just a little, a little bit fraudulent. I I wouldn't go as far as to say the Raptors are like the second best team in the conference, but I, I think one thing that I'm I'm really noticing that I just feels like more noticeable when you watch these games is the Raptors have such a huge coaching advantage. Like, if Nick Nurse was coaching the Bucks against the Raptors, like the Bucks would have won. If Nick Nurse was coaching the Sixers against the Raptors last night, the Sixers would have won. Like I just felt like these teams had more talent, but the Raptors found ways to sort of overcome that. And maybe that's maybe me underrating the talent on the Raptors just a little bit, but I don't I don't no, know, don't, man. Don't, I, don't, don't even don't have don't, don't let coaching. the Raptors
2: don't let the Raptors get two games over five hundred tomorrow because we gotta start the Nick Nurse uh second consecutive coach of the year propaganda. Fast. If the Raptors start rolling, like think about the roster that he's been dealt with, you know, Masai's like here, um, you know, we're going to get let all our centers go and mm-hmm. you're going to have to figure it out with Aaron Baines and Alex Len, And, you know, we're going to move to Tampa and now he has no assistant coaches, apparently. So, <laughs> you know, like all, yep. all I'm saying is Nick is doing a lot. And honestly, I know this is a little hindsight now because they started 2-8 and, and we were all down bad and now they're 16 and 15, and it seems like things are trending in the right direction. But all things considered, it's pretty impressive for them to be at in this position right now. Yeah, absolutely. Which, speaking of
1: which, I mean, you know, it's cool that Nick Nurse has got this coaching tree, but damn, like, this man's gonna have to put it overtime. I just think that like the actual amount of work the coaching staff's gonna have to do is tough. Because it's not just like, you know, okay, obviously. It's not just an you know an assistant coach is not going to do that much for the team, right? It's obviously a head coaching kind of thing, and, and and he's the captain. He leads most of the things. But it's like like even advanced scouting, right? Like coaches usually have – I don't know how they do it specifically, but like the next five games, and then coaches will scout one specific team in the next five games, and then they'll cycle through. And in order to scout, they probably watch like five to six games in total. Like who's going to be doing that now, <laughs> right? That And if you take one person out, then everyone else has got more on their plate. And uh we'll see, you know, if Sergio Scariolo is able to return directly to the Raptors because he went overseas. And so does he have to quarantine? I'm not totally sure what the rules are. <laughs> they're, they're gonna Seems have
2: like... to have a they're gonna have to have an iPad on the sideline and have him just tap in via Zoom and watch <laughs> yeah, the game. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, seriously though, I'm not, might I'm have, not even have to kidding. The literal bubble, man. <laughs> I'm not even kidding because, like, you make a really good point. It's like it's not just Chris Finch leaving, right? Like, I know Nick talked about today how he's going to have to take over the offense a little bit. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. job changes because you got to collectively make up for what you're losing from the assistant coach. And like all Chris Finch jokes aside, I mean, great 31 game run as an assistant coach, but like he was wasn't that probably great? a He was probably a big part of the offense, right? Or at least a part of it. Because the offense has been good this season, right? Statistically, it's been good. Uh, It sometimes feels like the Raptors,
1: you know, struggle. Or maybe it's because I watched that Timberwolves game. You you mean when they go five minutes without scoring every other game? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, it feels like that's a a design feature of the the team nowadays. But no, I mean, the Raptors, uh, you're right. Like the Raptors are ninth in offensive rating this season, which is pretty good especially considering some of the injuries, considering um, that, again, we just didn't think that they had the talent for some of that, but um, yeah, they're ninth. And I think, I don't, I don't know what specifically Chris Finch did in that short time, but I do like some of the small things. Like I feel like the Raptors are doing a better job of cutting. Um, I think usually when the Raptors are driving, there's always someone screening, setting back screens for someone in the corner. It feels like that happens like once per game um, and they do it pretty much with everybody. Uh, and there's obviously a huge emphasis in transition, which is, I know that's one of uh, Finch's uh, key philosophies. But listen, I, I, I know that's this as much Chris Finch talk as we're going to get on this podcast. I think they're still scary with or without Chris Finch. I, I still feel like they're talent-wise, they're just a little bit short of the class of the East. Um, I do think over the course of a playoff series, like as many coaching tricks as you can pull out, um, talent still kind of decides a lot of it. And... I would see the Raptors having a really hard time getting out of the second round at the moment without any upgrades. But, you know, to be honest, uh, they're definitely trending in the right direction, which is nice. Okay, the third third, third question, who is, resp- who is most responsible for the Raptors'
2: turnaround? Man, that's a good question. I'm going to give, oh, uh, man, I'm trying to decide between Fred, Pascal, and Norm. It's hard for me to give it to one guy because I feel like that's the feature of the Raptors when they're good, right? Yep. Like, it's it's the collective group. And, and you know, obviously, you got to throw OG in there and Chris Boucher. I mean, if you make me pick one, honestly, I would say Fred just because, first of all, I think Pascal has been incredible lately, um, you know, on yep. both ends of the floor. And it seems like this is the Pascal now because we we saw him like be really up and down at the start of the season. And honestly, Mm -hmm. some of the bad luck with, with the buzzer beaters and things like that. But this looks like the old Pascal who, you know, regardless of whether he's scoring or not, you know, he's, he's not as in love with the three now. And, you know, he's actually making them and, you know, he's contributing on defense, but without Kyle, you know, all those stats about, you know, the Raptors being undefeated without Kyle, that stuff doesn't happen without Fred becoming a really good point guard. And honestly, just one of the best guards in the league.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think I think I had a question for this later on. Yeah. Well, I had two questions, honestly. Who is the best player on the team and is Fred VanVleet taking the leap? Um, but to your point, I mean, Fred has been sensational. I think he's, yeah, I mean, he's clearly taking a leap, I think. I mean, I think he's firmly in that all-star conversation without Kyle missing so many games this year. Um, Fred has stepped up in so many of those. But, I mean, honestly, I think it might have to be Norm. I really do, because listen Listen to Norm's stats since the first 10 games of the season. Norm is averaging 21 points per game, shooting 50% from the field, 44% from three, shooting 90% from the free throw line, uh, four rebounds, two assists, a steal. Again, that's the classic Norm. <laughs> it's just giving a, a ton of buckets and nothing else. But um, yeah, that's ridiculous production, especially when you compare it to the fact that at the start of the season, this guy was averaging 10 points per game shooting 37% from the field, still shooting well from three, 43%, but he's elevated his volume of threes. Um, But yeah, like he's literally doubled his production. And I think that's more than anything else. Like the biggest jump in the Raptors offense has been Norman Powell has been starting because OG has missed time, Kyle's missed time, you know, and this this guy's just stuck on automatic at the moment, which is pretty scary to think. I mean, honestly, even Pascal, like I thought his first 10 games were going to be bad, but then I looked at the numbers, Pascal was 20 points per game, you know, 8.6 rebounds, five assists, shot 46% from the field. You know, that's fine for the first 10 games. I think some of them, you know, he had some bad uh, performances. Like, he got suspended in that Knicks game. You know, he fouled out of that Sixers game. Then he fouled out of the next Pelicans game. And I was like, yo, what the hell is wrong with this guy? But since then, he's been really, really, really good. And as you mentioned, I think uh, what's been really nice of late, Pascal's been on this little streak of – um setting his teammates up you know six assists against minnesota six assists against uh the bucks six five assists the next game six assists again and now eight assists i think his playmaking is taking a nice jump which is nice but it's just the overall game i think he looks way more comfortable he's picking his spots better he's defending a lot better he's screening better like he just looks i don't know he just looks like he's in a
2: groove so you're right man. Yeah. it's hard to pick one guy no, I feel like with Pascal too, especially like he just has that gifted child problem where I feel like well, we just always right. expect more from him. Right. Um, and I know we always go back to this because, you know, I guess, were you gifted? I mean, my dad once thought I was gifted and, you know, that definitely fell apart when I was 10. Um, but like, like we always expect more and it's, he he puts up stats, right? You know, a lot of things with Pascal, I feel like it's just the efficiency and just how engaged he is on both ends of the floor and you know I, I feel like we're we're back to the old pascal now and that's great the less we talk about the pascal the better because that's when he's just doing his thing and, and nobody is really noticing and he's kind of under the radar
1: yeah absolutely i think um yeah i mean you know i, I totally see what the <laughs> what the gift us kid thing because i you know you know it's uh it is it is just weird when you watch Pascal because you kind of expect him to be able to do everything because he's shown you a little bit of everything. He just doesn't do it consistently, which could be frustrating. But I mean, he's still a very young player and I think he's growing into his role really well. I think the uptick in assists is really promising considering that um, that indicates to me that he's making better reads, uh, especially with him seeing double teams so often. I think you're seeing a little bit more um, in terms of just like, him setting people up not only in the fast break but also when he's out of the post when he's attacking the little even just small things like quick passes when you drive and it's just a quick pass to the wing like that seems super simple but um I think he's reading his spots better I think honestly his teammates are doing a better job getting open for him too and and then the other thing is just he's has he has pretty crazy splits at the season he's um he's not very good at home <laughs> I'm telling you man Emily Arena is cursed. He's terrible at home. Oh, I no, think not terrible. That's that's too far to say. But at home, he's 19 points. Uh, he's shooting 44 43 percent from the field, 23 uh, percent from three. And then when he goes on the road, it goes up to 47 percent from the field, 34 percent from three. His true shooting is obviously up a lot more. His offensive rating is 12 points higher. He's scoring more. He's assisting more. I don't get it, man. <laughs> Listen, maybe Let's the go.
2: maybe the players maybe the players will be asked about it and they can talk about it. But like I honestly think when they're on the road and they're in these familiar actual NBA arenas, it's just a different environment for them. You know, Emily Arena obviously is a real arena, like the Tampa Bay Lightning play there. But number one, obviously it's not Scotiabank Arena. And number two, like there's just no like there's just no like presence or vibe or energy there. And it always feels like the Raptors, no matter if they're playing Philly or if they're playing Minnesota on Valentine's Day, like it's just so hard for them to like get going and and, like get motivated. Whereas you look at the games against Milwaukee, look at the starts that they got off to, right? Like and you look at the road trips that they've been on, like the West Coast road trip was really good. That six game road trip that they just had, which I honestly thought the Raptors had a chance to really just fall out of the standings. Of course. Um, With with like a two and four road trip. And instead they do this. So like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think on the final night of the season, if the Raptors can like either secure a number four seed or punt the game to fall to five, just fall to five and play the Pacers and start on the road. Like, I honestly would prefer they start on the road. (laughs) I can't wait to play the Pacers, man. I can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait.
1: Uh, oh man we need a we need a live feed on joe wolf on like big
2: brother style just like 24 hours oh my god that's gonna be so amazing i gotta get all the memes ready
1: <laughs> oh jeez. um speaking of the the uh the tampa bay lightning uh, can you can you name two tampa bay lightning players for me <laughs> i mean i can name all time
2: uh vincent le yeah that's my guy and Andrew, steven uh, Stam- Stephen something? stamkos he's on the team yeah, yeah that's right okay that's one. oh okay he's still on the team all right he should be right. I don't know. Let me look. Tampa up beat Calgary for the Stanley Cup, I think, like fifteen years ago or something. That's correct. Yeah, as I mentioned in the last run uh back uh,
1: thing. Yeah, that was a series where um, I think one game went to like four overtimes, and like they had to bring out like oxygen tanks. So, like, <laughs> wow. The bench, did, and I was like, Yo, is, did, is it that? Did Don like, Cherry did you do eight intermissions? You Guys, come back and finish. <laughs> I don't oh, know, man. man. But Don Cherry might have needed an oxygen tank too, to be honest. Guys, like, oh, All these right, let's, let's, are soft. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to what the people want. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Who else is on this team, though? Yeah, I, I don't
2: know, man. It's been so long since I've watched hockey. We need a Steven Canadian Stamfos hockey is team. On the team. We need a Canadian hockey team to win the Stanley Cup, man. It's been so long. Yeah, I it's think. Been, uh, I think the it's, last one was it? Montreal in '93. Yeah. Damn
1: they haven't won like a fetus yeah, at that point man. no
2: you were you were actually a fetus like the fetus photos i send you on twitter like they uh, haven't won since i moved to canada and that they obviously wild, haven't man. won since you moved to canada yeah there you go maybe that's the issue man Look, like, <laughs> they gotta okay, deport, okay, they gotta deport us <laughs> okay what's going on man you're running on a don't do that canada report? don't
1: do that okay <laughs> although to be honest i wouldn't mind living in a country without COVID at the moment. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, n- next question is, uh, who is the best player on the team? So you kind of mentioned already, it feels like Fred this season has done the most. Are you saying Fred is the best player on the team?
2: I'm going to cop out and say Fred's the most important player on this team right now. I think what is it, talent-wise what mean, is the though? best. It's like last year when I said Kyle's the most important player, but Pascal's the most talented. Right? Okay. Okay. Like, I would say Pascal's the most talented player, Yeah. but I think Fred's the most important player. Whatever. I'll go with Fred, man. I think it's Fred. Obviously- I, you know, I, 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 think we're, I think we're always hesitant because Fred doesn't profile as, like, a star player. Like, all the way down to just, like, his height and, like, right. his story mm-hmm. and the fact that he's undrafted and all of this stuff, despite the fact that he's already done so much and he is still, um, you know, taking another leap this season, I, I think sometimes there is a hesitance because he just doesn't fit that superstar profile i'm gonna say fred man fred's a star
1: yeah listen if fred was 6'3 doing the exact same thing he's doing right now he'd be a guaranteed all-star it's just a weird mental thing which by the way it's super strange because we literally just watched like a decade of kyle larry doing the same shit <laughs> but like all of a sudden it's like i don't know man it's like you know can this guy really yeah i think the other thing is but there's a real hesitancy to crown Fred sometimes because we're comparing him constantly to to Kyle. And somehow if we crown Fred that it sort of takes away from Kyle's legacy. And I just want people to sort of step away from that. Like Kyle's legacy is untouchable. Like it's already set. It's firm. We've seen what he can do even last year in the playoffs, you know, tremendous moments. And if you want to say Kyle's better than Fred, of course I have no arguments. Right. But I think it's really becoming a real conversation and, um, Fred's, I mean, Fred's one of those guys where every single time you watch the game now, I, I say wow at the TV like four or five times just for Fred. Because it's like one time a game, he's ripping someone on defense. There's like one FU three per game. He's making some really nice passes. Like yesterday against the the Sixers, he had one pass where he, he came out to pick and roll. Embiid, you know, pressed up high because he was shooting the three really well at the start of the game. So Embiid had to show high. Baines rolled, and Fred threw this beautiful pass right between the defense, between Simmons and Embiid. Not easy. Those two guys are all, you know, all NBA-level defenders. And Baines got a dunk. And then another pass where they worked the pick and roll. Baines kind of sealed and had Embiid, but he kind of sealed, like, away from the play. Like, Fred had the ball on the left wing, but Baines had him sealed towards the left, so he was open on the right. But then Fred threw this beautiful, like, low bounce pass where he kind of, like, scooped it to him, almost like a bowling ball pass. And Baines got a little um, hook shot to go over and beat. Like, if you can set up Aaron Baines for for layups and dunks, that, that should be worth two assists. That, can we put that no, in, that's that's rule?
2: that's the final that's the final boss to, to becoming uh, <laughs> an elite guard in this league. No, I think, you know, he's added the mid-range game too, which I think has really mm-hmm. helped him. And, and yep. the way he just finishes at the basket now, like, honestly, I don't get it. Like, I don't know how he's gone from a guy who couldn't score. Uh, he scored 14 points in total against the Sixers in the playoffs two years yep. ago in seven games. And, you know, they just look like giants. And it's not like the Sixers team has changed much. No. And, you know, he goes ahead and drops like, what, 13 points in three minutes on them yesterday. And just the way he's finishing at the basket now, even when he's got like big guys like a Giannis or a Tobias Harris on him, it's like, yeah. it's incredible to me. And, and, you know, those are the things that you nitpick at with Fred. And now he's fixed those. And then you add in the fact that he's just become a better point guard and what he's bringing on the defensive end. And I know we kind of take it for granted, but he's he's a guy that you can really trust down the stretch whether he's shooting 8 for 9 from 3 or he's 0 for 11. Like you can just count on this guy in the fourth quarter in the closing lineups. I mean, I I don't know what more you want from Fred, you know. I you know, I feel so good that Masai and Bobby was able to lock him up at his price long term. Like knowing that the Raptors have Fred going forward uh makes me feel great regardless of Kyle's future. And I was thinking about this last night uh, while I was enjoying some Neapolitan ice cream at, at two in the morning, you know, um, Fred, the, 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 the baton being passed from Kyle to Fred reminds me, and it's not the same level I know, but reminds me a little bit of like Dirk to Luca in Dallas, just kind of having a guy to like pass the franchise off to obviously talent levels, you know, we're not going to argue, you know, Dirk, Dirk and Luca are like probably on another level, although maybe I put Kyle up there, but you know, like, it just feels good when you've got, you know, the greatest Raptor of all time, you know, 35, 36 now, don't know what the future is with this team. And now you can pass it off to Fred. And it's not like it's just Fred. It's it's everyone else that we've talked about too, right?
1: No, you're absolutely right, man. It's it's really beautiful. And, um, yeah, that's kind of my next question really was, is, is Fred taking a leap? But also I think, like, has Fred dispelled, has Fred made you completely comfortable in your mind that if Kyle Lowry were to move on at some point, whether it's this season, next season, going forward at some some you know point in the future, has Fred made you completely comfortable with the fact that he's going to be the starting point guard for this team?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think the other thing too, the advantage of having Fred made this leap is that he can play he can play the point or he can play two guard. Yeah. So when the Raptors do eventually reach that point of having to address um you know making up for, for Kyle Lowry leaving they can look at free agency and trade and look at either acquiring a point guard to put next to Fred or try to swing a big trade and, and get a shooting guard, you know Bradley Beal or someone like Bradley Beale or Bradley Beale like some, someone <laughs> like that, you know what I yeah, mean though like, Bradley, like yeah. it gives them it gives them the options because Fred is such a versatile player. and honestly, you could say that for like Pascal, uh, OG and even Norm too. I feel like they they're so versatile in the roles that they can play. And which is why the dream of Giannis coming here was so great because he would have fit in perfectly,
1: bro. This guy, this, yo, this guy, honestly, man, he could have instead of getting snatched and embarrassed by Fred, he could have just been assisted by Fred. Honestly, he would be great as a backup center for Chris Boucher at the moment. Um, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of Chris yo, Boucher, Nick, just
2: treating Giannis like Aaron Bates. <laughs> He's honestly, a situational
1: they the, center. <laughs> they got the same skill outside of the, outside of three feet, man. If Giannis can't physically reach his long ass arms out the basket, he has the same skills as Aaron Baines. Baines might be a better screener, to be honest. Uh I, actually he is. Um anyway, uh I also remind people that Fred Van Lee is once again leading the NBA in deflections, and this guy's five ten. Like he's got a negative wingspan, he's leads he leads the league in deflections. Like you know, honestly, like if, if if me and Fred Van Lee were both reaching for the top like drawer, like a like I don't know, there's a T is on the top drawer or whatever, I could reach the top drawer higher than Fred VanVleet and Fred VanVleet leads the NBA in deflections.
2: The that's Raptors backcourt, like Kyle leads in charges and Fred leads in deflections. Yes. Yeah. Fred has, yo. Fred's like
1: second on the team in blocks. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me, man. He's He's been sensational two ways. Um, so my sixth question to you is Chris Boucher. Uh, Chris Boucher's chances, you think you're better
2: for most improved or for six man? I think six man, although off yep. the top of my head, I I don't like who, who is like the leader in most improved right now? I don't even know. Is there <sighs> yeah. someone that jumped out?
1: You know, I, you know, I, I, can I be completely honest? I'm watching less like overall NBA basketball
2: <laughs> this season. Oh, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Man. I'm only watching when I'm actually being employed to do so. Um, <laughs> That's fair and, enough. And, and then maybe when the Clippers are losing in the fourth quarter and I become a mm. Utah jazz fan, um, like I'll do that too. But yeah, I don't know, because last year it was like clear, like, oh, Devontae Graham like made this huge jump, right? Like just off the top of my head and obviously knowing that we're not watching as much basketball as maybe during a normal season, um, you know, we don't know all the names, but I do think I do think he has a chance for Six Man, don't you think? Because Six Man is so predicated on just scoring. Mm-hmm. Like that's how Lou Williams won like for an entire decade, right? Yeah, yeah. And then like, Jamal Crawford before that. Yeah. Yeah, Jamal Crawford. Like it doesn't matter what you contribute to winning. Mm-hmm. It's just what counting stats you're putting off the bench. And if Chris Boucher, who like, I think slowed down a little bit in January and then has picked it back up now, and obviously had a great shooting game yesterday against the Sixers, if he keeps his up and he's like averaging like what seventeen and ten or something like that off the bench for like a two, three month period, I find it hard to not put him in at the top of the conversation for a six man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, if you're going to look at, like, traditional six-man types, as you mentioned, guys who come in and, and gun, it's probably going to be like a Jordan um, Clarkson from Utah who uh, 30 games off the bench this year, none uh, zero starts, 18 points per game, uh, shooting the ball pretty efficiently, and he's just kind of like a pure gunner. Um, but, honestly, the case with Chris is, like, he's a complete player. Like, he's making just as big of an impact offensively as he is defensively. Um Like, the stat that I keep tracking now is, like, total shots contested, right? Who is contesting the most shots, right? I think that's a very useful advanced stat. And based on the tracking data, Chris Boucher is fourth in the NBA in total shots contested. He is seventh in two-point shots contested and sixth in three-point shots contested. Of course, that is pretty much the most of any big man to contest three-point shots. You traditionally would, you know, either contest twos or threes. Like, you know, Brooke Lopez leads the league in shot contests overall, like the vast majority of them are two-point contests, or Rudy Gobert, for example, right? But Chris is rotating and contesting literally the whole court. And again, he's fourth in the NBA in total shots contested, but he is not fourth in the NBA in minutes. He's not even close. Like, he's not even in the top 10 in terms of minutes played among the guys who have contested the most shots. So what that tells you is he's got crazy energy. He's contesting the most shots per minute, pretty much of any prolific big in the league. On top of the fact that he's shooting his true shooting percentage is sixty five percent, and we kept saying at the start of the season, there's no way he's going to keep shooting like this. No, he's going to keep shooting like this. <laughs> he's shooting forty five percent from three on the season. It doesn't really feel like a fluke anymore. Like he's just been pretty good. It, it, he's you know shown great chemistry with with Fred in the pick and roll. He's worked really good in terms of the pick and pop partner for Pascal, especially when teams are dropping the centers back. So Boucher is open for three usually and. And then I think the other thing is just like you know Nick keeps doing this thing where he'll leave Chris Boucher in for like 20 straight minutes and he's done this multiple times now like last night he played 16 straight minutes like that's that's so impressive like what kind of big man doesn't have what, what kind of big man has the in, in the stamina to play 16 straight minutes effectively let alone defend at that high level which again Chris is unique in that sense and I, I and I just read um Michael Grange is, like, really, really long, but really, really good profile on Chris Boucher on Sportsnet. If you haven't seen it, go, you know, block out, like, you know, 15 minutes and read it. It's really good. It takes you through his whole career. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me that was, like, you know, that – that I had to triple check it. Like, apparently Chris Boucher was checked for his heart rate, and his sitting heart rate is, like, th- like 38 beats per minute, which is, like <laughs> – Lance so Armstrong. He's like, so he's like chilling on, on blood doping level. Yeah, like, and I'm not trying. Obviously, I'm not accusing anything. I'm just saying, like, he's he's got incredible motor. Like that's like an actual physical gift to to have um, such a low, you know, resting heart rate, which is kind of explains why this guy, like this guy, will play 16 straight minutes and not look tired. Like, does Chris ever look tired to you? Like, he's like dragging on his shorts or anything like that. Like, you no, rarely. No, he's. See it. I
2: mean. He's like the opposite of like Patrick Ewing's entire body just sweating after playing two minutes. Like he's just out there, pure chill. And yeah, it's really impressive. You know, I didn't know those stats um, about him just kind of playing these like really long stints because you don't you're right. You never notice that he's and honestly, you know, we talk about Fred's story so much. Chris Boucher's story is like. Incredible. It's it's amazing, yeah. Like, yeah. like it's up there, like I don't want to compare people's stories and all that stuff, but like we hear like Sergi Baca's story, like Chris Boucher's story is like amazing. And you know, I, I know uh we, you know, I'm saying the word we as in me and you make a lot of you know IG story oh, wow. jokes. Yeah. Um, you know, you never know who's behind the Yahoo Sports Canada account. You um, never know, man. You never know, you never know, you know. Yeah. And um, but like I'm really happy for Chris. You know, I think just just his story coming from where he was and, and, and you know, getting the chance this season and everybody saying, well, can he translate what he's done in the G League and in garbage time? And yes, you know, he's not just translating those numbers. He's like improving on them. And like you said, he is a clear impact player off the bench. And to be honest, he's the only impact player off the bench. <laughs>
1: yeah well, you know that's a real issue that's a real issue I mean to be fair DeAndre is starting to come on strong which is nice but uh everyone I like else I is like Bembry a lot but
2: is gonna give you like a Pat McCall performance but better he's gonna give you a good Pat McCall performance every time exactly exactly and yeah, like like you said at the so start good. though it's a it's an imperfect roster and mm-hmm. I think that's why Nick tried to stick with Baines for so long because Nick knows like if he pulls out this whatever, you know, Trump card or, or, you know, this small ball lineup, there's nowhere else to go after this. Cause it's not like he can like tinker with the roster anymore.
1: That's true. Yeah. Um, next question. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I, I think Chris, honestly, Chris should be a very legitimate candidate for six man of the year. I think you rarely see two way players and it's not like he's that. He's not like he's not producing offensively too, man. He's at 13.4 points, which is obviously five points less than a guy like Clarkson, but like, there's no way Clarkson doesn't even do like a tenth of what Boucher does yeah but it's you know
2: really that bad. award doesn't they don't care I know but stuff. you know what you and, know and what the you other thing is like Utah. Utah are like what they've won like 30 of their last 31 games
1: man who cares man
2: the Utah Jazz are the
1: 2018 Toronto Raptors okay I don't care. All oh, the bench mob, they all oh, the chemistry so good together. Oh my god, Nick Nurse we went to the offense. I'm like, yo, when they play LeBron, we're going to be talking
2: a different story and
1: they're going to be listen, playing LeBron. Listen, I'm going
2: to be in a Rudy Gobert jersey and Jazz shorts if they play the Clippers in the second round is all I'm saying.
1: Okay, <laughs> you know what? That's fine though. I and listen, I, I if they could beat the Clippers, I you know, I'd be very impressed, but I also somehow doubt that. Um, they couldn't even beat the the Nuggets last year. Um Seventh question: Norman Powell, do you keep him or re-sign him? Because at this point, he has been lights out. Obviously, last night he struggled a little bit, six turnovers, but um, he's been obviously, you know, 20 points automatic a night. And to be honest, who do you really have in the pipeline that you're like, okay, cool, we'll start this guy as shooting guard going forward? If it's not, well, you're,
2: you're forgetting Jalen Harris, but. You know, this okay, is actually yeah. this is actually a topic on run it back this week. So let's oh, just uh, let's just uh, you know give it a test run here. You know, no, no I've sure. been thinking about this a lot in terms of. I know we've looked at Norm as like, oh, this guy is the best trade chip on the team. You know, his contract is going to be up; he's affordable right now. I don't know, man. I am starting to come around, kind of like what you are hinting at, that the Raptors should bring him back at a reasonable price. And by reasonable, I mean, like, if you can get him for, like, 15 mil a year, that's a going rate for a guy that can get you 20 points a game. Like, we all know the flaws with Norm's game. But like you said, the strength that he brings to this team, just knowing that you have this guy who's just going to come out gunning on the offensive end and, you know, get to the basket, you know, shoot from three, it's not easy to find a guy like that. And, like, every winning team, and especially the roster, the way the Raptors are constructed right now, you need a Norm going forward. So, like, I am pretty ready to put Norm as part of the long-term core group, and I want him back this offseason, assuming he opts out.
1: Yeah, I mean, he honestly, he should opt out. He doesn't even need an agent to tell him that. Like, he, he's he's deserving of a raise from $10 million. Um And to be honest, if you just look at the last three seasons of Norm, this guy in the last three seasons has shot 41% from three. Has shot 49% from the field, 85% from the free throw line. His true shooting percentage of the last three years is um 61.5%. He's been over 60 the last two years. He was at 59.6% in 2018, 19. He's just a very efficient finisher, right? And like this is not a fluke anymore. Like he's and it's not even necessarily the starts or doesn't start kind of thing. It's really just if someone sets up the initial play. And then the ball was kicked to Norm, whether that's in transition, whether that's in off a of pick and roll, and the ball swung to him, and he can either catch and shoot or he can drive against the closeout. This guy's money, like that's just a, he's just he's just pure money on that, and it, he doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, outside of last night, but really generally speaking, very low turnover player, super high efficiency. His catch and shoot has been good for multiple years. His three point shooting is good. This year, he's even shooting crazy good on the pull up three, which isn't a big part of his game, but. You know, if he can develop that part, then maybe he can create more for himself. Um, he's obviously a very reliable finisher. It can attack and transition. My only concern is, like, you know, in the playoffs. I know he has a playoff Norm nickname, but in reality, Norm has had occasional moments in the playoffs, and those moments have been huge. Right, like, um, against the Bucks in 2017 or against the Bucks in 2019 or, um. You know, even last season against the Celtics, when he came in Game Six and scored like 15 points in fourth quarter and the two overtimes, saving the season um,
2: against the Pacers, saving Dwayne Casey's job. That, that, exactly
1: right, and that's his that's his first breakout moment. But outside of those moments, he's been he's been really inconsistent. That's my only hesitation. But you know, if you look at the future of the shooting guard position, like, are you ready to start? Like, propaganda aside, are you ready to start? You know, Matt Thomas or Terrence Davis? Like, no, absolutely not.
2: No, and, and like. It's it's really impressive that Norm has, like, fought himself into the starting lineup. Like, he's been so good that Nick honestly had no choice when OG came back but to keep Norm in the starting lineup. Ideally, I think on a really good team, I would prefer Norm to be the sixth man. Because, you know, if, if you envision a scenario where you can have Norm and Chris Boucher come off the bench then suddenly you already have seven guys right assuming your starting lineup has been figured out and you can just build from there but i can't figure out this bench starting thing it just seems like norm has just never really outside of obviously the second half of last season really been able to produce consistently off the bench
1: yeah i mean listen you know maybe do you <laughs> do you think he was just saying like he's just every time he goes to the bench he's like i'm going to i'm going to stink it up <laughs> a little bit extra so they'll start me <laughs> You know, like No, uh, it's
2: it's got to be some kind of like rhythm thing or something, right? I think it's when, just when can guys create game, for him? Works. Yeah, no, that's well, fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And the starting He's five plays better
1: defense, so there's more transition opportunities, and we know Norm's money in transition. That's yeah. like half his game. So,
2: yep. And um, in general, you're playing with better players when you're starting. Yeah, look, this is like when I was at the
1: score, and it was like, you know, <laughs> write write a, write a story that's not on the Raptors, and I'll be like, ah, and you know, I like drag my feet and. <laughs>
2: It this, is like when I was at the, this is like when I was at This is like
1: what I was at No. Uh, <laughs> no, relax, relax. Shout, shout out to the score, no. man.
2: No, shout out yeah. to the score, man. Shout out to Rory. Shout out to Joseph Cacharo. Shout out to the score bet. All right, now I've gone too yeah. far the other way. Joel All right, fun, pound the, the next question? <laughs>
1: uh, next question. What is your confidence level on Pascal Siakam? So we've talked about him, obviously turned the season around a little bit after a pretty bad start. Um, give me your one to ten confidence level on Pascal Siakam. Ten, one being midway through game seven of the of the Celtics series, you're like, yo, this is, he's just not gonna do anything. And ten being at the start of last season when he was like, you know, all NBA level.
2: Ten being clinching the basket in the NBA finals. Yeah, there season? you go.
1: That that's 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 ten. I'll say eight. Eight. Yeah. Okay, and is that are you surprised? Th- is that really high? I'm I'm a little surprised. I think I think everyone's a little bit like cautious. But you know, you also said Kawhi is ninety nine point eight percent re-signing with the Raptors. So based off our shopping yeah, yeah. Our bag, I really appreciate
2: you not mentioning that at the start when you were like, "Wow, you predicted everything, including the pandemic." Um, so yeah, no, I think with Pascal, like, there's just a baseline, right? Like, like uh-huh. you were rolling off the stats earlier. You were like, when he, when I thought he was playing terrible, he was actually averaging twenty-seven and five or whatever it was. Yeah. And you know, I think for me, like Pascal. Just has the skill set, you know, regardless of whether, you know, he's scoring or not to, to make an impact, um, which is why it was so frustrating against the Celtics last season. You know, I still like to see, you know, let's wait and see kind of what happens in the playoffs, um, because I think, you know, he'll have obviously uh, something to prove. Um, I don't know, but it just depends. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel good about Pascal, but the thing is, when you pay a guy 30 million and he's supposed to be like the number one guy. Like, I think those conversations have tampered down a little bit um, in terms of him being the clear number one guy. But I think for him as a leader of, of, of a team like this that has like five or six really solid players that play really cohesively together um, as the most talented guy of that bunch, you know, I'm per, I feel pretty confident about him right now. I just kind of want him to not be under the microscope and just be able to have the rest of the season to just continue to develop because this season is not real. Um, just want all the players to keep getting better. And then by the time, hopefully everything is good again and they're back in Toronto, then they can just pick up where they left off. But yeah, no, I feel good about Pascal, man. Listen, he struggled a lot in the bubble and at the start of the season, but you can't ignore the fact that he's been playing great lately.
1: Yeah. I think he's also finding his role a little bit better, right? Like started the season and in the playoffs a lot, like they were just giving the ball to Pascal and they're like, yo, here, take like seven dribbles and attack. That's not Pascal's game. That's, just That's not, not him. him. Yeah, I think he's a little bit more decisive. He's a little bit more efficient with the number of dribbles he's taking. He's not touching the ball and holding it for a long time. He's passing a little bit better. Um, and I think he's just, I feel like he's not, he doesn't feel like the number one option as much as he did previously. Whereas like, here's the ball, go, right? That's like a number one option. And for him, he's sort of like, now he's getting set up for screens because he's in the small ball group. So he has a screen and he's playing the pick and roll. And he's always been great at doing that. Um, he's getting out in transition. He's scoring on the the good matchups that he's gotten. Um, he still forces it once in a while, but he's forcing it not in terms of like jacking up threes, but going to the basket. And I like that about his game. He's defending at a higher level too. Like, you know, I really have no complaints without Pascal whatsoever. So, I, you know, even I was surprised with eight. I, I mean, honestly, I'm probably at like, a, I'm on like a 7.5. So I don't even know why I was that surprised in the first place. And I'm very happy for him too, because he just seemed like, you know, he, uh, I don't know. He, he's a guy who thrives on playing with joy and things like that. And he had taken so much heat on social media and, and some of it was wildly flagrant and out of bounds. Um, but, you know, and it seems like he's deleted his social media and, and, you know, he's talked about that and sort of focusing on, on what's real in life and stuff like that. And honestly, when you hear that from someone, it's just like, you know, I, as a, as a fellow millennial, I, I just feel i feel, a kinship, I feel a kinship to pascal you know like every millennial comes to this point where they're like i feel like i gotta make a huge decision in my life and delete instagram <laughs> and i Damn. think pascal hit that moment you know i didn't i didn't have instagram to start and i won't delete twitter but still i deleted facebook for example so
2: what do you mean you have a really popular instagram Follow oh that's correct Will that's right
1: yeah yeah, yeah. You, you just gotta take like 16 screen caps of uh, running back episodes <laughs> where I've, I've worn different sweaters
2: um, oh no, it's a and it's no disrespect to pascal but to me like he's like a superstar like utility player to me just in terms of like at his best like, like he's like, a scotty pippen <laughs> sure no like seriously sure like yeah uh, no, I, think, I agree with you though like i actually i, I think that's what like, i don't mean, i don't mean that, that as a disrespect because like when you're talking about superstars i'm talking like you know Kawhi, lebron Steph KD, like, yeah. Dame if, yeah, KD Dame if you want to throw him in there like James Harden uh, no,
1: I don't I don't want to throw Dame in there I'm sorry but uh, no I'm sorry bro <laughs> Kyle Larry got a better career than Dame Lillard man I don't want to hear this
2: oh man all right let's move off that um yeah but yeah no for me that's how I look at Pascal and if anything you know I would throw it back to Messiah and Bobby and say that you've got this really talented guy in Pascal you've seen what he can and maybe can't do these last couple of years, and obviously he's still developing and growing. But take a look at the roster with Pascal, with Fred, with OG. Maybe we throw Norm in there. Chris Boucher is going to be in there too, and figure out what players you need to add to complement those guys. Like it's a little bit of it is on management too, to find the right mix. Because I don't know, man. Pascal just him and Baines just that wasn't working. Yeah, that was a this was a tough look.
1: Him and anyone else has been much better. Um, Question number nine, the Raptors are 16-0 without Kyle Lowry dating back to last season. Last season, they've had wins over the Lakers, the Sixers, the Jazz. This season, they've won against Milwaukee twice. They beat Indiana. Uh, they beat Philly uh, last night. Uh, why? Like, I'm not even going to entertain the uh, the trade Kyle question because I don't think that's related to this at all. But why do you think this is?
2: Yeah, first of all, before, before I answer that, like, yeah, let's, let's not even, you know, imply that the Raptors are better without Kyle Lowry. Um, the Raptors get swept by the Celtics last year without Kyle Lowry. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. The final. Well, that might be true, actually. But, no, it is it is absolutely uh, true. Number yeah, one, who is, yeah, you're right, actually. Number one, who's throwing that pass to OG over Taco Falls in uh, Game 3? And number two, even when they got to Game 6, they don't win that game without Kyle. Um, so, that. But, like, secondly, you know, I think... It just shows how good the other guys have become that we've talked about. Mm, like Fred yeah. is able to carry a team and Pascal is able to to play the way that he can. Norm, OG. Like there's a group there, even without Kyle, that can be a really competitive team. And I don't think I don't think when Kyle's there, he drags the team down. But you know, sometimes Not well. you notice like Kyle, Kyle will have an off game or two. And maybe that just comes with age. Like we've seen he struggles a lot sometimes on the on the second night of a back-to-back. And, and sometimes when he's your point guard and he's your leader, you kind of follow his lead. And if he's not bringing it, you know, that might bring you down a little bit. Whereas I feel like when you've got this young roster in there, like they're just full of energy. Like you talked about Chris Boucher, like playing 16 minutes a game. Like Fred always brings it, you know, Pascal usually, you know, OG Norman, all that. I just feel like they're able to play this like, slightly different style and they're able to really just showcase their skills. So to me, the record just shows me that the Raptors have a good group here for whenever the post Kyle Lowry era starts.
1: That is, that is the correct answer. And that's the answer I was hoping to hear. Um, I do think that like, you know, if you just look at the parts of what Kyle Lowry brings you, I think the playmaking, I think Fred and Pascal have done a good job of replacing that playmaking in terms of setting up other guys. Um, In terms of the actual shot making, those shots all pretty much all go to Norm. And Norm should be getting extra shots, period. So I think that's been covered a little bit as well. Um, And I just think that guys aren't deferring as much, right? So, like, you'll see if Kyle's in the game, like, the primary option in crunch time, it's always a bit of a question. Like, who are they going to go to? They might take turns and stuff like that. Now they're like, honestly, no one's really a closer like that. So they just kind of run offense. Like, if you look at the game-winning shot that Terrence Davis hit against the, the Timberwolves, that play happened because Kyle and Pascal Siakam and, and uh, Fred VanVleet just said a little pick and roll for each other, a little reverse pick and roll with, the, with the, the the point guard screening for the big rather than the other way around. And then Terrence Davis, you know, flashed up to the top off a screen from Stanley Johnson and they hit the shot and they win the game. And it's like the, that isn't like an ISO kind of play where you give it to a guy and you you isolate. And we've seen Kyle delivering those moments like he, when he hit that step back over Gordon Hayward to beat the the Hornets the, the second time. like. You know Kyle's able to do that, but I do feel like other guys are deferring. And I honestly think that, as you mentioned, there's there's enough talent around them where they've been able to make up for that. Now, the huge difference is how much can you replicate that production in the regular season versus in the playoffs? Because I think in a playoff setting, you need some true talent, some real play creation, and you need some plays like what Kyle Lowry did to Kevin Walker or you know, he hit the turnaround jumper or the, the pass over the top to OG with 0.5 seconds, like even just over the course of those games, like who could actually get you a tough bucket and Kyle's definitely one of those guys. So, um, you know, I think it's just a positive thing overall. I think people make too much of it. It's a cool stat
2: though. It really is sixty and zero is very no. impressive and, and, no, and they've super, beaten really good teams. Yeah. It's a super cool stat. And I think you're, you're perfectly right about the playoffs too. You know, Kyle, will raise the ceiling of this team especially against better competition and i mean you can point to like so many examples but like i guess the most recent one is when they beat brooklyn like that was a kyle lowry masterpiece in 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 the fourth quarter absolutely when he just took over and they don't win that game without him and that's what they're missing so like you know there's no argument that the raptors are better without kyle you know that's Mm -hmm. not even a conversation but I don't know. Now now I'm like, man, Kyle, just finish your career here. Take a little bit of a lighter role, you know, be the starting point guard, but play like 25 minutes. And then we'll preserve you for the playoffs. Like, that's not a bad way to finish your career, you know? Damn. Does the Kyle Fred dynamic remind you of us? <laughs> no, I think of, I think of it more as a Vince Carter, Trey Young. Um, okay, you know? wow. <laughs> Yo, bro, you're not that old, man. Relax. Like, I had to rein you in a little bit. You know, you were just like shooting from half court, um, you know, not passing to John uh, Collins. But but now sorry. you're like rounding into, uh, you know, a good. Is he rounding into a good point guard? I think this metaphor is falling man.
1: apart. I think you got better defenders meanwhile, around him,
2: so it's it's not so bad. Meanwhile, like I stopped, uh, I stopped dunking like Vince Carter. Um, wow, you know, my wow. stop dunking is just I just post three on cut Gems memes now.
1: No, nah, your tweet's still bang, man. The, the, the Minnesota tweet yesterday was killing me for no reason. Why, what is the context around that? Why did Joe Biden just scream Minnesota?
2: Oh, so, so I think Joe Biden was having a rally where he shouted out a lot of different states. And <laughs> for some reason, I just remembered it. It took me five minutes to go on YouTube, find it, and clip it. Uh, it was a lot of work. That's why I treated myself to some Neapolitan ice cream, a second mention of the <laughs> podcast. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I look at it as more Vince Carter, Trey Young, to be honest. Listen
1: or maybe man, Yao you know Ming,
2: or maybe Yao Ming T-Mac, so he can be Yao. Oh, wow.
1: All right. No, I, w- I wouldn't mind that. I've been Yao my whole life. Somewhere between Yao <laughs> and William Hung, which
2: is very racist, All right. Please never call me William Hung. Nothing no, no, you, me don't, more, you, don't, you know what our dynamic is? Yo, I'm Udonis Haslam, and you're Yo, Tyler relax. Hero. And you're Tyler oh, Hero.
1: That, that's, please never compare me with him, man. As my uh, as my as my friend uh, YL called him on, on Twitter, he's a uh, machine gun Lou Williams. Um, by the way, Joe Biden seventy eight years old, man. Like, what are we doing? Like, what? Like, I, listen, that's like four years younger than my my grandpa. And I remember my grandpa four years ago. Like, I I don't, I barely trust him to make dinner. Rather than like, and I'm just not even trying to be an ageist kind of thing. I just feel like, you know, it's just. Listen, there was no you one better start, you have you 300 million with, people in the US of United States of America like can you not pick someone that he was for sure the best candidate like are we
2: sure about this and i obviously i know the answer is no but like yikes you, you know. want to start with america being the biggest fraud country i mean this senior veteran got 16000 dollars uh withdrawn from his bank account this weekend for his electricity bill in texas like yeah. They well, got no free healthcare. Anyways, back to back. Yeah, I mean back to back to Anthony Edwards and Utah yeah. Watson Abbey. Are we talking about that one or no?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. How did you know? Save, save no, that, that for running back. That's question number eleven. Right, okay, okay, okay. It's coming. It's coming. Of course it's coming, man. Listen, we don't have that we only have so much content, Alex. I don't know if you want the <laughs> clearly every time you come on the podcast, this is just a, a running back extended edition. Um question number ten bigger turnaround this season, Aaron Baines from his uh what I have to just consider a nasty start or Stanley Johnson becoming a real contributor. Well, Stanley Johnson has disappeared lately, no? I mean, he reappeared in that Timberwolves game and I thought he was pretty decent. He had a, a really good zero point outing um, defensively.
2: <laughs> he had a good I don't game. Has-
1: no, relax. That was not a Tony Snell game. Okay, he he was doing good. He was doing a really good job defensively. He gave the Raptors some switchability and, and physicality. Goodness, how his
2: cap. how low is this bar right now, man? Um, We're talking about Baines or Stanley Johnson, bro. Like, I'm on. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on this question. I I cannot, in the goodness of my heart, pick either of them right now. <laughs> okay, I'm still going with Stanley. I really
1: still go. I believe in Stanley. I'm not totally sure why he was taken out of the rotation. Maybe it's just because. Um, I don't well, Benbury kind of came, kind of took all those minutes. I feel like that's true. And without Kyle, like you kind of need Bembry's playmaking a little bit more. But I don't know, man. I think Stanley could still be a really good contributor, and I'm a little confused uh, in times when he doesn't play. But I think Baines has played better. So Stanley's kind of like the third string at multiple positions, but all those positions are thriving at the moment, which is uh, cutting into his time. But honestly, Stanley has some pretty has had some pretty incredible moments, man. Come on, are you forgetting? Did you uh, see- the, the back-to-back <laughs> air forced air balls against uh,
2: Charlotte and oh him my God. defending DeMontis did, Sabonis. Come on. Did you see the one Baines layup attempt last night that hit off the side of the backboard when he was right at the basket? Which one, <laughs> Which one, man? Which one? I think it was in the fourth quarter. Like, Embiid uh, was guarding him, and he was right down oh, the Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, And it, he banked it off, like, the top right corner of the backboard. <laughs> Listen, uh... I wasn't wasn't expecting Baines to be, like, a 2010 guy, but I feel like I was sold a fake bill of goods.
1: You know, Aaron Baines is like if you ordered Marc Gasol on AliExpress. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, You know what I I mean? He's he's doing better, though. He's doing better of late. Come on. He's he's literally coming off his best performance of the season. We can't be doing this to this man.
2: No, we're not. But like, you're also comparing Aaron Baines now to Aaron Baines a month ago.
1: Yeah, a month ago it was a real disaster. He wasn't even playing. Like the fact that he got benched for Alex Len, who then got cut, is is wild. Like that. I, you no, that, really that, whole, thing, that whole thing was a mess.
2: And I honestly feel like we got to rain a little bit more heat on the Raptors for letting Serge go. But on the flip side, if the Raptors did end up getting Giannis, you know, we would have um, celebrated. So I guess we can't be too mad. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm still going with Stanley on this one, though. Uh, number Question
1: number 11. What will it take for Yuta Watanabe to redeem himself? Because um,
2: it's tough. You know, it's, it's, tough, it's tough because I can think of a few guys on the Raptors that I wouldn't have minded getting dunked on. That it wouldn't have been an issue for yeah, me. Like, um, right. And the other thing is, like, a lot of people just don't know him, right? So it's not yeah, like... Lou williams got dunked on or like i don't know like name whoever right like clint Capella. Yeah, Rudy like, yeah people like i see i saw like a screenshot of like kevin hart posting the photo be like oh man this dude is down bad like he can never come back from this like people aren't even referring to him by his name because yeah. they just like
1: don't know yeah, him. there's no there's no way kevin hart who i know is a big nba fan but there's no way he knows who yuta watanabe
2: is yo shaq doesn't even know pascal siakam's first name and yeah. you expect people to know Utah Watanabe. Um, I'm just pulling up the notes that I already have written for running back on Wednesday. Uh, please tune <laughs> yeah, in just, to see the video version of this. Um, you know, yeah, for me, like let's, Utah let's getting see dunked what on. what me and Alex will wear today. Utah, Utah getting dunked on is just a lesson that you just can't care and try this hard in life. You know, like, wow, like Utah has wow. been known as like this really, you know, g- the guy who tries really hard, hustles harder than everyone, and he's earned himself a spot in Nick Nurse's rotation. You can try, but only to a certain point because life will inevitably disappoint you if you care too much. Mm. And Utah cared too much on that play. You know, who are we blaming? Number one, we're blaming the ref for not calling the side out of bounds. he was out of bounds. Yeah, Edward stepped out of bounds. Norm got called for that last night for the exact same play. So number one, that's the culprit, the ref. So the ref should be suspended for life. Number two, I think part of it was Bembry's fault too, right? He overplayed. Yeah, he gave up the lane, yeah. He overplayed, and then why didn't Baines? Baines could have stepped in. Baines was in a better position to shift over. No, and maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm probably just blaming Baines at this point.
1: <laughs> if you search but Aaron Baines getting dunked on, on 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 YouTube, there's like a six minute <laughs> compilation. There is just strictly if you search Aaron Baines versus uh, Giannis adenikumbo there is two full minutes of just of just violence from from Giannis to Baines. So Baines <laughs> has been on uh, posters. Um yeah, you know, he, he'll recover. Tough.
2: He'll recover from this, man. He'll recover from this. Like if, if there's anything, any positive out of people not really caring about the Raptors mm-hmm. is that Utah's just going to get to go back and being a low profile guy off the bench and do his thing. It's just unfortunate. Like the next time, like he has a highlight, everyone yeah. online is going to be like, oh, that's the guy that Anthony Edwards dunked on.
1: Yeah, well, which is unfortunate. But again, like I think Youth has a good attitude. I remember asking him um when I did the one on one interview with him, uh, about like who was the first guy who dunked on you. And he was like laughing and smiling and, and telling a story about how Mason Plumley dunked on him. So that's way <laughs> more embarrassing than honestly getting dunked on Mason Plumley is more embarrassing than getting dunked on in any fashion by Anthony Edwards. I don't even think that's it's that embarrassing. I just think it's a great dunk, uh, in which he stepped out of bounds. But honestly, I'm just you know, it was just it was just um I don't know. I hate. I hated to see that happen to Utah because he didn't deserve that whatsoever. He was really just trying his best, and it just. I haven't seen an Asian person bullied this much since uh, William Hung was the number one on uh, American <laughs> Idol. And also, I should I was have bringing, never like, mentioned was, William Hung on Run
2: Back because you're bringing was, him
1: back now, and I don't like it. <laughs> no, listen. When William Hung was hot, and I was eating like you know Chinese leftovers in the lunchroom, like that. That's the only other time I've seen an Asian person bullied this much. And at least at no, that point, I could I could fight. Like
2: Utah couldn't just pick up and fight a guy. Okay, I could fight a guy and 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 listen, you know, man, he'd be fine. But it's, just, it's such it's a tough. beautiful dunk. Like if you let's just set aside the nah, fact that it was it's it was a huge, ridiculously
1: awesome. good dunk. Yeah. Like
2: the way he got up, the way he finished it. It wasn't. He mm-hmm. didn't even throw it in. Because remember how like Blake Griffin used to throw the dunks in yeah, when yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. over. But like he actually slammed it, and he crushed his body on the way down, like perfectly. <laughs> It's excessive, man. And then Watanabe gets up and I think he was like arguing that it was a push off. And I mean, just the whole thing. But you know what? He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. He's the most not to be a Nate Duncan, but, you know, great dunk, Anthony Edwards. But like, you know, Utah Watanabe is still, uh, you know, one of the most popular people in Japan that's a fact i guess <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> he, two he, have nothing to do with you, each other but i'm say, what do you
1: mean like the dunk shattered his japanese citizenship like he lost his i don't
2: passport. know listen i'm trying man but i but i do think uh, people gotta stop pointing out that anthony edwards shot like three for 14 or he was like nah, 0 for 7 lame. from three like you got like listen man you know our guy got dunked on it is what it, it is. LeBron, LeBron drank a beer on us during the playoffs, man. Like, this is not as worse. This is not even this. close.
1: It's not even close, man. This is not close. This is not close. So, 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 what, so what, what, is what,
2: What's it going to take for you to redeem yourself, though? Uh, just, you guys, like, hit a corner three. It, just hit a corner three tomorrow <laughs> with <when> seven <laughs> minutes left in the first quarter. <laughs> oh, my Yo, goodness. Do you remember? Oh, man. I'm so shook. I'm choking. Um, Do you remember... Chris Boucher got dunked on by DeMar last year, mm. last season.
1: Yeah,
2: DeMar, like, yep. ended him in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And remember Boucher was sitting on the bench just staring into the abyss? He, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he, I don't know, man. He had a deer in the headlights look for sure. He was real confused. And, and, and now look at happened. him. He's, he's perfectly fine and nobody's talking about that anymore. The, the best part is, you know, you talk about millennials and Gen Z. Like, we're in an era where people just move on. Like, people have moved on. Like, no, already, yeah. Like, obviously, that dunk is going to come back during the highlight reels and things like that. But, like, people have moved on. Yeah. No, people really have moved on,
1: which is, which is good. And that's, that's good advice. Um, so, Utah, man, I'm sorry it happened to you, man. But, uh, you know, you're still number one in our hearts. Uh, and then number 12, question number 12 is just, uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen Harris so far in the G League? I know he's your favorite player on the roster. Um, number two the, the best number two in, in Raptors franchise history uh what are your thoughts on Jalen Harris
2: yeah you know I've watched two minutes of Jalen Harris what uh, you have <laughs> yeah I was when? playing channels the other day, and he was playing Jeremy Lin and the was oh, it okay. Santa Word. Cruz Warriors yeah um so you know I watched a little bit of that I don't know Jalen Jalen Harris and Malachi Flynn look really good um in the bubble. Shouts to the Raptors using a private jet to fly Malachi Flynn in to play seven minutes <laughs> against the Bucks. This is why the world is ending in uh, 25 years, by the way.
1: Yo. Yo. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, like, come uh, on. The plan- Mother earth is really like, yo, really? This
2: is what we needed just, to do. Like just do you a, need like, to burn like 16 gallons of hydrocarbons for this. Like could <laughs> Stanley Johnson, not have dribbled the ball up against uh, Dante Di Vincenzo in garbage time. Like, was that not the better I don't, I environment? I don't even, he only played,
1: like, two minutes. And, yeah, anyway, um, I, do you think, by the way, that, like, how do you think they, they tracked his progress? Like, do you think they ordered him, like, a like a, like a a DoorDash delivery? Like, they're just, like, tracking him in the app? Like, also, also,
2: also, I'm sorry. Like, not eating during that whole time is just irresponsible. How are you on a private jet, but you're not getting served food? Like, yeah. what kind of private jet is this, man? Like, I've never been on a private jet, but, like, come on. There's got to be food.
1: No, there has to be food, bro. There just, there just has to be food. The, honestly, though, I I really think Malachi Flynn drank like 16 pops. Like the first time I flew to China, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, pop is free? And I'm like seven years old. I was like, oh, I'll drink 16 pops or whatever. Like that's probably what he had to do, to be honest, just to get the, the calories.
2: Anyways, we're restarting the, the Jalen Harris. Um, yeah, of course. You know, that's the new propaganda. Um, I'm also restarting the propaganda for number 21, but I'm not mentioning his name until he hits five three-pointers in a real game. Are you talking about so, 21 average? <laughs> Is that his new nickname? <laughs> it's a three. Oh, oh God. So oh. so, oh, man, great, great material. Look for that on the Yahoo Sports candidate account <laughs> no, tomorrow. That's the... um, so, yeah, no, you know, we're going to restart it for number 21, who's been making a few uh, cameos lately. Yes. So things are ticking up a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, I, I never know about these G League guys, but, like, the Raptors have a ridiculous record of grooming g-league players uh mm-hmm. into the rotation so you know I, th- I think malachi Flynn definitely looks like a rookie right now and i think maybe that's not wildly out of what anyone could have expected from him like he yeah. wasn't gonna come in and be fred i mean look at Fred's stats in the first year he averaged like four points and so did Pascal and, and everything yeah. else. Yeah, less than that. So, yeah. you know, I still like Malachi. I, th- I think Jalen Harris is interesting, but I mean, I don't know, man. That's that's a long ways away. But, you know, he's the new fun guy, man. He's the new fun guy. We the North. We, we the North, baby. We the North.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jalen <laughs> Harris. He brought We the North back, man. I was going to say that We the North started getting kind of old, started getting kind of stale. And yeah, Jalen is bringing that back in no, a big way. Free I do for the Raptors. Oh man, it's wild. Man. Um, seventeen point six points for Jalen in the G League, shooting forty six percent from the field, shooting fifty percent from three. Um, there, there's your next normal
2: to
1: Two assists. I, I think he gets a lot of norm comparisons. I, I you know, it's weird because he's also like a guy who is listed at six five, but looks like six two, like just like Norm does. <laughs> like Norm's <laughs> like, oh, he's six four, and I'm like. I don't know, man. He has long arms, but like it doesn't feel like he's that tall. But he doesn't have the same power that Norm does. Like Norm obviously is able to like finish strong and like bump people out of the way and dunk on people. Jalen Harris, I've have seen him dunk. He could definitely get up. He, I can see the springs, but I haven't seen the physicality to match. Because you know, there's some guys who can, like a Terrence Ross could dunk, and he can dunk as well as anybody. But with nobody in the area, unless it's Kenneth Reed, I guess, at one time. Whereas like Norm is can also dunk, but he'll dunk through guys. I don't know if Jalen has that physicality to his game just yet from watching it. But, um, I mean, he's shooting it pretty well. He's playing off ball. He occasionally runs the point. Um, I don't know. The G League team's pretty talented, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys on that team. I'm looking at them. And I'm like, you're telling me that the Milwaukee Bucks shouldn't have Gary Payton Jr. rather than D.J. Augustine? Like, probably they should. Like, Gary Payton don't plays they still have, uh Don't they still have Henry Ellenson there? Henry Ellenson is also there. I d- I don't know how his defense will well, I mean I do know how his defense will play at the NBA level and that's going to keep him from playing there but offensively he's super skilled. Nick Stauskas honestly like if you if you told me like what who's going to take like if you if you told me like the 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 Max Kellerman, you know, um fate of the universe on the line, the martians got the death beam pointed at earth, you got one shot, you better hit it. I want Nick Stauskas,
2: okay? <laughs> Yo, Nick his basketball card gotta list out his NBA teams and his, like, TSN stints, man. Yo, come like... on, man. Let's. let's, let's <laughs> this guy's the first guy to go from TSN back to the NBA. We, Yo, we... you gotta respect. He is a human TSN turning point, man. Like, this that, man that, is a wow, legend. That's, that's he unbelievable. on the he should be back start? in the NBA, though. Like, he's good. Yo, and he's bulked Bucks up. Sign him? They signed him for I training just... camp, but then they cut him. Okay, I thought yeah. I was imagining. Like, I swear he went there.
1: They should, they should play, someone should sign Nick Stauskas, honestly. Like, the Raptors Yo. really do have some pretty good players on the 905 team. I know
2: this isn't on the list, but can we spend two minutes talking about Thanasis? Talk to- Yo, <laughs> like- I could not <laughs> believe he came into the game. This guy was a madman, first of all. I thought he was going to hurt somebody. <laughs> but the offensive package was wild. Oh. Yo, <laughs> Holy crap, man! Yo, the game honestly, wasn't even out of hand. The game wasn't out of hand yet. I don't think. Was
1: it? <laughs> What? What was Mike Bunos doing? Oh no, man! Do you remember I saw a few someone... years ago? Do yeah, you, what's up? Do you remember when the the Knicks, in order to re-sign J.R. Smith, they signed Chris Smith? Yeah, yeah. This is the same scenario. Do you think Chris Smith is better at basketball than Thanasis? Like, he might be, honestly.
2: Like, honestly, that was, that was that's not close. Good. That's close. But but yeah. hey, listen, man. The Bucks got Giannis to resign, so it's it's a W for them.
1: No, of course, bro. Listen, you you don't think Masai would have signed? You know, Alex Otenakumbo, Costas and This guy would have collected all of them. Like the this, this guy would have got a family reunion on the sideline. But um, no, but yeah, it, it just I was surprised when he came into the game, and I think I was like, okay, I'm a little bit intrigued to see what he could do. But then he was just like, like high fiving and like getting really hyped, and I was just like a little bit too hyped almost for an empty arena. And like he got he got fouled and he was complaining and I'm like, come on man,
2: what are you doing?
1: And then he shot a free throw
2: and it was like almost an air ball. Like shouts uh, um shouts to, uh, shout to Giannis I don't know if you or people saw the clip of him yesterday. He was like doing one of his Zoom calls, and I guess one of the beat writers in Milwaukee, Matt Velasquez, um, left for another job because his oh, wow. his wife is becoming a doctor. Um, I want to say it's in San Diego, so he's moving. And I guess because the reporters haven't obviously been at the arena, Giannis was like, Where's Matt Velasquez? And they, like found mm-hmm. out that he was gone and he was so sad about it. It was like such a pure moment. Like all the oh, slander man. aside about Giannis, like he's a great dude. Yeah,
1: no, he is a great dude.
2: Also, shout out to Matt. <laughs> you <He's a laughs> you had to pause a little bit there. <laughs> no, I was looking I
1: was looking up uh, Matt Velasquez to confirm he was who he was, because I was in Milwaukee, so I like I I recognize most of the beat guys now and um no, he was a pretty solid beat guy, man. Ask good questions. Him and Eric Nem really holding it down for the uh the Bucks beat, you know. So Yeah,
2: that's the that's the Kareen and Murphy of uh of Wisconsin. Uh okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're we're in overtime now. I'm just gonna throw out any topic. Yeah, topics. yeah. I found oh, out, man. I, yeah. I found Let's out go. the other day that uh so I've never watched Yu Gi Oh. Um Okay, that's fair. Are you are you familiar with Yu Gi Oh though? Of course, man. Okay, so I didn't know. So I was reading the Wikipedia, yeah, um, at, at two a.m. While I was enjoying some Neapolitan ice cream, bro, how and... high were you, man? <laughs> <laughs> like Michael Grange when he tweeted the Onion uh, over the weekend on Twitter. Oh yeah, 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 not high. Um, so that's so... a runner's high. That's a runner high. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he has like a gambling alias. That's like the origin story. That's how they describe yeah. the Wikipedia. I was like, how I, am I not watching this? Well, I mean, I don't know,
1: man. The whole show is a little bit strange. I only saw the first season of the show. I, I, I prefer the card play games more.
2: Cards? Do they play cards in the game, in the show? Or is yes. that a separate thing?
1: They play okay. cards in the show. It looks good, like, graphically in the show because all the cards have these, like, figures drawn into them. So, like, you can actually see the figures. They can actually attack. It looks cool. Um, But, yeah, the first season, I mean, there's this guy who's, like, you know, a billionaire, basically like an Elon Musk kind of situation, but then he's trying to protect his little brother. And then he like imprisons someone, his, someone's grandpa and like s- seals their soul in a card. And then, so then they got a fight, but then there's all these like Egyptian, I don't know, tie-ins to it. Like they got like a weird pyramid and there's like Pharaohs. There's like some actual Egyptians that end up being in the show from like the ancient times. I, I don't know. It's a strange game, but the game of cards itself is is excellent. Like if if anyone wants to play Yu Gi Oh, uh, I'm not going to play with you because it's COVID. But you know, come see me. Come see me in 2005. I had I had a sick uh, fiend's fiend type deck built around um, Dark Necromancer or something like that. No, I'm sure know. I'm sure
2: all your listeners are like Yu Gi Oh fans. I love how I just profiled all of them. Um, of course, of course. Like, What's the comparison between... Is there a comparison between Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon? Like, is that a Coke versus Pepsi thing, or not really?
1: Um, No, not
2: really. I mean, so there's... Okay, so
1: Pokemon is really successful because they've been able to, in addition to making the show, they made movies, they made uh, a really popular video game. The video game is by far the most popular product that they have. Um, there's, like, Pokemon Go as well, which is really popular. Yu-Gi-Oh! really just... And, of course, they do have a Pokemon card game, which is... Semi-popular. I mean, I think it is popular, but it's not as popular as Yu-Gi-Oh! At least I don't remember it being such in 2005. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is, like, a really popular card game. Like, it honestly became so addictive that, like, me and my boy who lived in the same apartment as me, we had, like, a shoebox that we had, like, all sorts of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. Like, you put them into collections. You can, like, sell them for, like, tons of money. Um, it was, like, all about keeping them in mint condition. Essentially, like, it's, it, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! was kind of, like, part stock X, but if you can also, like, you know b- battle your your sneakers against another person's sneakers so it was a really cool game um i'm trying to explain this to you alex <laughs> i don't know man. it was it was a really cool game did you did you play like magic the gathering or something like that well no i never played magic um bro what, dragon ball what, z what was, was going the on, man? what cards were invented when you were young like other uh, this guy what... I remember <laughs> remember Bogs, Bogs? Man, come on
2: oh god yeah I remember trolls, like not internet trolls, like the actual trolls. Like troll dolls? Uh, Yeah, like troll dolls was a thing. You would get like the neon green hair. Um, (sighs) But I was a big Dragon Ball Z guy growing up. Um, Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: So you have the Dragon Ball Z figures?
2: I've got the Dragon Ball Z. I've got all the manga. Yeah, all yeah. of that stuff. Huge fan of that. I've got the cards too. A lot of the Dragon Ball cards. That's all I used to collect. Oh, yeah, I forgot all. they had Dragon like, Ball. You would cards. have those. Remember those machines? Like you put in a coin. Yeah, a yeah, like, yeah.
1: card. I mean, it was the same all feel I, for for Yu-Gi-Oh man. Except you could. I, I don't. I don't
2: even know how this Dragon Ball Z card game works. To be honest, but I don't. It was always like power levels one to ten. But for me, it was just like a collector. I still have a whole binder of it. I gotta bring it on running back one time. All right. Wow. Just show off and then it'll get edited out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, uh, yeah, but no, I, I, that was, I love hearing. I love hearing about your childhood, man. It's, it's always such a yeah, foreign world to me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yo guys, if, if you still want basketball, you know, just turn it off. There's no more basketball. Um, There's no more basketball. But like, man. But like, I don't know. Like I was thinking about this the other day, like when I grew up, cause I immigrated here, obviously. But, like, Mm -hmm. when I grew up, I didn't watch – you know how people are like, oh, I I watched Saved by the Bell growing up or, like, Billy Hills, 90210. I've never watched any of those shows.
1: Yeah. like, Bro, I'm telling you, I watched Friends. I watched – okay, I only watched Friends because my mom had, for some odd reason, she had an eight – she had eight full seasons of bootleg Friends DVDs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I only, I watched those because we didn't have cable and I watched those specifically to like get a sense of like what society would look like when I'm older. Cause like, I had no idea what's like adult society in in, in Canada or in the United States was going to look like just through my parents. So I only watched friends, but yeah, I mean all the other shows, no, I didn't watch. And it really like, I don't know about you, but it was like YTV for me. And you're just like watching like Jackie Chan adventures or, um, <laughs> yeah it's like
2: saturday morning like they had the best animes on saturday morning yeah saturday mornings like animes you know cartoons like i would watch like batman and like x-men but like real tv was like sports obviously i remember watching a lot of hockey growing up i think just because like that was just the thing to do uh wrestling obviously every monday you watch monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. And then and I got really Thursday? into Jerry Springer. And then I got really into Jerry Springer because that was, like, you know, the, the really, like, adult, like, shock jock thing, you know? So, like, you would watch that at, like, 10 at night. And that was really my, like, TV diet. Yo, honestly, I I thought about
1: this the other day. Like, those Jerry Springer kids, like, they must be fully grown now. Yeah. that's That's got to suck to, like, watch back those those videos and be like, all right, so you really just didn't
2: want me. Honestly... <laughs> I know, I know you were still a fetus, but, like, the 90s were a wild time, man. Like, Super just like wild time, man. Culture-wise and, like, just, like, society. Like, everything. Like, you look at people just, like, looking back now at, like, Britney Spears and the way we judged mm-hmm. her and everything. Like,
1: man, oh, yeah, that was Lindsay only, Lohan, like, 10, 20 yeah. years ago.
2: Like, we're so, like, I don't want to say we're so ahead now, but, like, the world has changed so much. Uh,
1: yeah, no, Absolutely um and honestly like every single it feels like every single person every single person was problematic from like basically 2005 previously like if you if you had any sort of presence before 2005 you said something problematic you did something problematic
2: Um, oh like you think about how inappropriate we used to be as like kids growing up oh absolutely are you kidding me just like high school or like even before like when you're kids like I feel like kids are growing up differently now, but man, this I think is, honestly, this,
1: is getting, this is getting too deep. There's just like a consciousness I think that that comes from it now. Like I like I talked to my brother and stuff like that. And he like he just became very very conscious of his own like racial identity very early on, which is actually hilarious because before that he he once came home and we we, talk, we talked about him being Asian. He's like, I thought I was white, and I was like, What do you mean, bro? <laughs> Oh, I can't <laughs> even of him like this. But no, one time this he was like a little kid. First, uh, Rachel Dolezal.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he came over. and You thought he was white. No, but I mean, he just had like a really early sense of you know racial awakening. And I think um, the more time you have to process some of these things and to like get in touch with your identity, I think it can only be a good thing. Um, especially when you're more aware of certain situations, and you know, I, I think it just. For me, like it, it took probably until I was like in university and later on, and he probably got that sense like in grade nine, grade ten. So, um, it's just I think it's a good thing. And
2: oh, I, I think I think I it's know. a great thing. Like it does give me a little hope for like the world. Like I still think it's gonna take another generation or two, but you know, I I do think the next few generations are gonna be able to actually affect change. Um, wow. with with all, a lot of things that are wrong with the world. Yeah. You sound you sound like my mom.
1: <laughs> I'm not even kidding, man. She's like a big environmentalist, like. Uh, no, she's always I've just been thinking like a lot about these things. You know. Wow, damn! The like thing,
2: the, the things that will, the things the that go through your
1: mind there. when you're eating two a.m. Neapolitan <laughs> ice cream, man. It's,
2: it's unbelievable. By the way, the, by the way, the rankings for the flavors. I know I tweeted it out earlier. It's uh, vanilla and strawberry are tied. And chocolate is a clear number three. Okay, here's the thing. I, I agree with you, but like, why do they make okay? So what what kind of Neapolitan ice
1: cream did you get? Because I feel like they always like, like give Liars, you a really shitty chocolate brand. one. Yeah, see, yeah. like they always give you a shitty chocolate. I don't understand. Chocolate ice cream is I've good. I've never just... like chocolate
2: ice cream though. So okay, that, that
1: maybe not. that might be that might be a like a taste bud kind of thing, but I just feel like they always like give you a shitty version of that. I mean, I do agree with you. The strawberry mixes really well with um, the vanilla. Whereas like only vanilla chocolate... and chocolate could mix well, like yeah. strawberry and chocolate does not mix well. So
2: I don't think the chocolate should be in the middle. Like they feature it like I agree. it's like the yeah. center and yeah. it's like, why is it in the middle? Also, I threw uh, a Chinese bakery egg tart with it. I know it sounds, what? it might sound gross as you're processing it. No, not at all, man.
1: What do they call the but... a la mode? You, you had a
2: Chinese egg tart <laughs> a la mode? What the wow. fuck is wrong with you man? Well, no, baby, I'm about to open my dessert shop, my own dessert shop when the pandemic's over. Holy shit, this guy had Listen, Oh, wow, okay. I've been, I've been out here cooking, man. So, you know, that's that's what I mean when I tell my mom I'm cooking. Um, no, like oh throw, throw an egg tart in there next time, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, no, wow, next, I can't... <laughs> next week you going to report with like a freaking coconut bun. <laughs> no, it's like, "Hey, Will, I can't make it to run it back. I have a stomach ache." <laughs> Yo, actually, though, what's wrong with you, man? Yo, this man is 35 years old. <laughs> 36, by the way. Turning 37 uh, this year. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. oh, man. The 40s hit you, man. Anyways, that's You're not that's even there, it. man. What's <laughs> I'm no, three no. years away, man. You got these twenty-year-old kids online being like, "Oh man, I'm turning twenty-five. I'm old." I'm like, "Shut up, yo!" Just talk. Just say. Just say Keyshawn's name a lot. Don't, why, <laughs> why, why, why are you saying these kids? Yo, shout out Keyshawn. Keyshawn, if you're somehow listening, 140 minutes in. Yeah. Uh, shout out to you, man. Yeah, man. I miss Keishan. everybody, man. Um, listen, this is good vibes, man. I can't. You know, it's a classic podcast. I, I can't listen, wait to listen to it.
1: I only bring you on after wins, to be honest. People want good vibes from you.
2: Uh, yeah. no one well, wants to hear think, a sad will and alex podcast that's just that's. No, just, I, I think that's sad will is good sad will like on its own like yeah I, it not, just has it just it has, has to be you
1: it just has to be me yeah because you always I, do, I this sigh, like
2: that, you do this sigh and then you do a little laugh to start because you're like so frustrated i basically know all your ticks now wow. um no yeah. I, I i honestly yeah. look forward more to when the raptors lose the the react pods than when they win wow damn yeah and the slander pod great great slander pod last week
1: yeah well listen i appreciate it uh thanks to aside for coming on as always and i you know listen the reason i don't do the slander pod more often a because it does bring some bad vibes let's be real um bad karma and all that but the real reason is it takes me like four times as long to upload it i don't even want to describe the technical process but it just takes a lot longer and so oh why uh, is that oh it's just because you have a guest on So yeah, usually I'm using this program that just records the microphone and the camera and records a pretty small file. The file size is important because it's like at midnight when I'm recording these. So uh, the smaller the file size, the quicker it can be uploaded to places like YouTube and everywhere else. Um, When I record and talk to someone else, I need to use two programs. I haven't figured out a good solution yet, but I need to use two programs. Then I need to sync the audio together and stitch the audio to the video part. And then when I put that together in Adobe Premiere, um, it... Somehow makes the file size like six times as big, so it takes six times as long to upload, which is uh, more work essentially. Which I, I mean, I'm not averse to working, but when you're working an extra hour at 12, 12 a.m. to one a.m., it is a little bit extra. Having said that, though, the
2: content is fire, and and if the Raptors beat the Sixers tomorrow, I might have to call it aside. Like, so it's it's um, it's got to be like an embarrassing win, like an embarrassing loss for the Sixers, because I do agree ooh, with yes. you in that. You've got to, you have to pick your spots or or otherwise it kind of loses its luster, right? Like it's got to be like a special occasion. Yeah, I
1: agree. I listen. I had like a hundred people. Like, I really appreciate people like, uh, you know, um, supporting the podcast so much because I I, I said like it might be time and I had like a hundred messages
2: of being of like Snyder Pod. Let's go. So. uh, No, I I love the fan base, man. All my, all my uh, fellow Yu-Gi-Oh fans, man. Shout outs. Wow.
1: I can't believe you don't know. What you, you it was like around your time, man.
2: Like, yeah, you know, I had a bit of a gap there where I like actually focused on my life. Wow. And, did you, you so? Know, did you skip the whole Game Boy Advance stage? Like Game Boy? Did you play Game Boy? My so my video game systems went. Um, obviously, Nintendo. Growing up, uh, getting the PlayStation was a huge deal. The original gray okay. PlayStation. Yeah. Respect. And, People knew I was rich because I had both the PlayStation and the N64. Because back then you had to pick. Like back then it was like, you get one. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, Yeah. So my dad spoiled me. So that was that. And then Game Boy, nah, man. Honestly, the last system I remember was the Nintendo DS. That was after, though, right? That was after. I was going to say, that's way after because there was like Game Boy, Game Boy Color. Like the just black and white. Yeah. Um, and used to play Tetris on it. And it was great when we got those cartridges that had, like, 40 in one games.
1: Oh, yeah, the Pacific,
2: the Pacific Mall special. <laughs> yeah, I think I was actually in the Pacific Mall. <laughs> like, the original no, I, Pacific Mall. It's not even a joke. Like, this, this is, that's where they came from. No, um, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. Like, when I, I got the N64 before I moved here, or, like, yeah, it was early, but... It, it, it was bought in Hong Kong. And the problem was it only played Japanese cartridges. Like oh. it was like the Asian version. So when How I did you even understand here, what you're supposed to do in that game, man? I was playing like Dragon Ball with the Japanese captions and That's just crazy. like, you know, throwing fireballs with Vegeta. But like I was crushed when I came here because it didn't work with any of the games. So my dad was like an astronaut where he was going back and forth. Right. Like he still had a business in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. every three months he would come back and bring me like one game Damn. and like the new, like the first, the new, like uh dragon ball manga. And I would just read that like 40 times. That's
1: pretty sick though.
2: Yeah. Cause, cause when we moved here, I was like, I mean, I was like six or seven, but like when he told us we were moving somewhere else, I couldn't really process it, but I was like, Hey, is everything the same there? Like we still have the same TV shows and everything. And he's like, yeah, and then I show up, and I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> I showed up, and there was like a snowstorm. Yo, there was a snowstorm like two weeks in. Yeah, yeah, like it was wild, man. And like my dad wasn't here, and like I oh, yeah, didn't from know the what south to do. Too. Yeah. So at, at least where yeah. I'm from,
1: there was like snow like pretty regularly in the winter. But damn.
2: Yeah, yeah well, we can handle. it
1: Yeah, well. Anyway, you, you guys were like you guys were like Texas. If there was like six inches of snow on the ground, you'd be done.
2: Honestly, man. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, man. Right. I hope everything uh, gets gets better there soon. Yes, this is it. Let's wrap up. I, I can't wait, man. It's coming up on the one-year anniversary of the last time the two of us attended a game together, which was the last time. I don't know. That was the last time I saw you because we did a run it back um, right before yeah, everything got shut you down. I got, the you,
2: I got you the free Blue Jays Ryu jersey.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. We, we had some socially distanced
2: uh, hangs were, downtown. You were in such a rush to get that jersey, you know. You were Yo, at right. my building, and <laughs> bro, I biked forty minutes to your house. <laughs> you were so excited for that powder blue jersey. You've worn that a lot, though. So, respects.
1: Yo, honestly, I still can't believe you. You picked uh what's the other guy's name? Shin, Shin Shun Yamaguchi,
2: name. who has been a uh, who has been waived. No, um, you you, picked, you got a Shin Ramen jersey, man. Listen, listen. I had I had the Jays get me a free Yamaguchi jersey. And I can't remember which beer brand, but they were like offering free jerseys during the bubble. So I got them to send me a Matt Thomas jersey. So I have a Matt Thomas jersey. Oh wow, okay. Damn. <laughs> yeah, so my, my collection is uh is 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 still getting ridiculous. All right. Don't I, don't forget then, you know, don't yeah, your your
1: infamous Coachella twenty uh twenty thirty five. Yeah. yeah. It's well current. it's gotta be the de- it's gotta be the late 'cause of COVID now, so you know. That's twenty thirty is the year we come out of this pandemic, so <laughs> Right, can't wait so, for you to show up in your in your twenty one twenty one average. This twenty one average jersey, bro.
2: yo, that's a great nickname, man. No, this was uh this was great. Can't wait to uh listen back and take out ten minutes for run it back on Wednesday. Everybody tune All right. in. I appreciate it. Everyone watch run it back. Everyone go buy Alex's book, by the way, when it comes out. Oh yeah, you you can't buy the book yet, no pre order info yet. Um that's coming. When, soon. It comes, when it
1: comes out, make sure you get it, okay? Because What is this book, man? The NBA, cover story, the NBA and modern basketball as told through its most iconic magazine covers by Alex Wong in in conjunction with, in conjunction, are you, is it with Slam or is it not with Slam?
2: No, no. So um, this is, um, I'm publishing it with a publisher in Chicago, Triumph Books. Uh, They're the same publisher that uh, I co-wrote the Raptors Championship book with uh, Sean Woodley. I worked with them on that. Um, So, you know, I've been, Um, I've been working on this book for the, for the past year, basically during the pandemic. Um, basically the book is going to trace through, um, the period between 1984 to 2003. Um, the way I've explained it to people is it starts with Michael Jordan's first sports illustrated cover. And then the story ends with LeBron's first slam cover. And in between we cover a lot of cool different stories like when Dennis Rodman was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, some of the classic early slam covers. Um, you know I've interviewed um, I, I want to say like 120 people, um, wow. kind of writers, editors, photographers, um, some of the players as well kind of involved um, to get all the backstories. There's a lot of fun stories in there. like to be honest, um, I think this is some of my best writing that I've done just because like this is the most time wow. that I've spent on a subject. Um, but like, yeah, timeline wise, I don't know when the pre-order information is going to happen because I'm not done yet. You know, the, the, manuscript is due on April 15th and then obviously it's going to go through an editing process. And then once we have like the release dates and everything ready, um, you know, I'm sure I'll blast out all the information and, you know, you might see me on a couple podcasts and things like that, promoting it. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll do the full promoting thing when it, when it does happen, but, um, I'm excited for everyone to see it. I think it's a, it's a fun book.
1: Yeah, listen. Everything you write is must-read, but I I just know this is going to be incredible. Um, You know, obviously, you have such a unique take on most things in sports and. Especially in basketball, and I can't wait to learn that period of basketball because I
2: literally didn't watch any of it. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, yeah. So so, so the way
2: I've been approaching this book is uh pretending that I'm writing it to you, you know? No, you should honestly, because it's <laughs> great no, no, like era real, of
1: basketball that like yeah. people are missing out on. And it's either people who are gonna be super nostalgic about what is objectively a great era of basketball, or yeah. people like me who are like you know, LeBron generation fans, who are gonna want to know more about what happened in that time. So
2: no, I, I can't wait. Yeah, and this I- is gonna be great. And, and I think, and I think everyone reading it is, is going to learn a lot about just like magazines and covers. Cause that's like really half of the book. Like I really approached it from that mm-hmm. perspective. You know, I've, I've, I've learned a lot about it too. Um, yeah. Anyways, we'll talk about it more when it actually comes out.
1: All right. Well, I'll be your first interview. I, I know, I know that I'm going to book you before you go on like low post and <laughs> all these other places. So Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you, man. And, um, yeah, listeners, uh, have a blessed Monday and, uh, Hopefully the Raptors beat the Sixers tomorrow for yet another uh edition of the Snyder pod. So, so we'll see you guys then.
2: Yo, sorry for rambling for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> no, nah, that's perfect, man.
1: That's that's the it's only like, reason. That's the only reason nothing to do these better pods. To do. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, that's oh, perfect. Man. Might, might have All to right. chop the last 40 minutes and bring back Stephen LeBron the. <laughs> Yo, no, that's episode
1: 101,
2: man.
0: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.